You're most welcome to continue those conversations after the service. Uh, but uh, right now we're going to uh, come and have a look at God's Word from uh, the passage that we had a look at before. I'm just going to pray to start. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this joyful time of year. Uh, Lord, it's always joyful to get together with friends and family and to um, open presents and to enjoy good food together and each other's company. But Lord, we recognize that this joy is fleeting and, um, and that you have provided everlasting joy for us in Jesus Christ. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would make that joy known to us this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I'm Samuel. Uh, nice to meet you if I haven't met you uh, yet, but I'm one of their elders here and I've got the privilege of talking about Christmas joy this morning. And Steve already stole my thunder. I was going to ask you, <laughs> but that's okay because you've been thinking since the opening of the service, what brings you joy? Um, what brings you joy, especially at this time of year? Uh, maybe it's uh, Maybe it's that first taste of Christmas cake. Uh, or those those first cherries that are just uh, that you get just in the lead up to Christmas. I um, or maybe you just you get that feeling of joy and happiness when your rallies roll in from out of town. You haven't seen them for ages. You get to catch up, enjoy time together. Or perhaps it's the anticipation of what you might find underneath the tree tomorrow morning. I, for one, uh, love the experience of after Christmas lunch. When you've, when you've had more than you could eat and uh, your shirt size has grown uh, two sizes over lunch and then you roll into the lounge room and you kind of just chill out and enjoy uh, time together that, and that after lunch bliss. But the unfortunate thing about these things is that they're all kind of fleeting. They all, they all um, they'll only last a little while. You know, that, that joyful after-lunch bliss soon gives way to the dread of the mountain of washing up waiting in the kitchen. Or, um, you know, the, the joyful anticipation of Christmas gifts gives way to that kind of that underwhelming but, uh, you know, but well-meaning Christmas gift that you find the next morning. Or, or that, that, that joy of receiving the rallies soon turns into, you know, frustration at the, you know, the bickering or the or the backhanded comments. Or the first taste of Christmas cake gives way to a second, and a third, and a fourth, and a fifth, and soon you're sick of it and you wish you'd never see it again. Or at least not for 12 months anyway. But, but the, the thing is that all these joys are quite fleeting. They come with great anticipation and they're enjoyed, and then they fade with surprising quickness. They're like flowers that, you know, you wait for them to bloom and then they blossom with beautiful colour and, and perfume and then they fade and they die. They wilt. And that's actually, it's kind of a, it's a recurring theme of this human life that we have all these joys that we look forward to and we receive and then they fade. Um, as, as Steve was mentioning, you know, the best case scenario is that we have joy uh, in something until we die. But things fade and disappear. And, but there's, there's, there's one joy that I want to tell you about this morning that doesn't fade. 
a, a joy that is everlasting, and it is, is the Christmas joy. And I'm not just talking about the joyful, yuletide feeling that you get at this time of year. I'm talking about a joy that will last forever. I want to tell you about Christmas joy that transcends all these fading and fleeting joys. I want to tell you about a Christmas joy that transcends history, that transcends our own lives, a Christmas joy that can change our lives forever. So I'm going to have a quick chat about this portion of the, of the Bible that we read earlier. We read a little section out of the biography of Jesus that was written by Luke. I'm going to fly through and have a look at three aspects of Christmas joy. Firstly, Christmas joy is good news for all. Christmas joy is good news for all. Now, this story, as we read, it starts uh, 2,000 years or so ago in a paddock outside uh, Jerusalem, uh, Bethlehem, sorry, in, in Palestine. And there's a bunch of blokes standing around looking after the sheep. They're shepherds. It's their job. So they're on the night shift. They're, you know, they're not highly skilled workers. Uh, so they're, they're kind of, they're, they're not high class people. They're very, very working class out in the field and um, looking after the animals, protecting them from thieves and from wild animals. And while they're standing around, minding their own business in the middle of the night, an angel appears. Now, don't think like cute, cuddly uh, angel. Uh, don't think like a little cherub, like, you know, those pictures of little chubby babies or anything. This thing scares the life out of them. It is bright and, and it is terrifying. It's not uncommon for people in the Bible when they come face to face to an angel to just fall on their face in shock. It is something that is overwhelming. And so that's, it's no wonder that as soon as this angel appears, they are filled with great fear. It says, they lose it. They're scared and afraid. But despite that, the angel says, don't fear. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This angel comes with a message. That's what angels are. Angels are messengers. And this angel brings a message from God to people. A divine message from the heavens. And the message is good news for all. Good news of great joy. Not some joy. Not a little joy. Not a decent amount of joy. Great joy. This is something big. This is something, this is something huge. This angel brings good news of great joy for all people. That news was not only for the shepherds, but for all. For the low class, like the shepherds, for the well-off, for the sick, for the healed, for all. This good news was for their kids and their kids and the kids' kids' kids. This good news is for all and even for us today. This good news can bring Christmas joy for us. The good news of the angel, this message he brought, can bring joy to all. It brings joy to the world, as we just sung a few moments ago. And anyone can receive this good news. Anyone may hear it. Race, gender, class, age, sexuality, past failure, whatever it is, it doesn't restrict you from hearing this good news. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, you can have everlasting joy, everlasting Christmas joy because of this good news. But what's the content of this good news? Why, why is it so amazing? What is the message? 
Well, it starts with Christmas joy is a saviour born. Christmas joy is a saviour born. So the angel goes on to announce the birth of a saviour, one who saves. A saviour is one who saves. This baby is from birth one who is expected to rescue people. And the angel says there, it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a saviour who is Christ the Lord. Now, why is this good news? Why is it so significant? You know, when, when an angel, sorry, when a future doctor is born down in the maternity ward uh, at the base hospital, they don't have angels appearing saying, this guy's going to rescue people, he's going to save people from their sicknesses. You know, there's, there's something special about this baby that was born in Palestine all those years ago. That God would send a divine messenger from heaven to announce that this baby has arrived. Why do angels turn up and announce this baby? It's because of who he is, what his name is. He is Christ the Lord. That's what sets him apart from every other saviour, rescuer uh, throughout history. He is Christ the Lord. He is Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the long-awaited rescuer. He is the baby that was prophesied centuries before he ever turned up on the scene. He is a baby that will bring rescue. He is, it will bring salvation to mankind. And people have been hanging out for him to turn up since the dawn of time. His rescue will transcend the fading and fleeting political empires. His rescue will transcend history. His rescue transcends our lives. And it's a rescue that can change our lives forever. Now, if you read on in the story of uh, Jesus' life, of Jesus Christ, you, you soon find out that he was born to rescue mankind from sin and from death. And Jesus saves from, he saves, he rescues from death. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to stop you from growing older and dropping off your perch, but it does mean that he will save from everlasting death. Jesus saves from hell. Jesus saves from damnation to eternal life. So Jesus, on the one hand, saves from death, but he also saves from sin. Now, sin is a religious word that we use. You know, we don't generally use it as much in our everyday language, but it could, you could say it's failure. Sin is failure to live rightly. Sin is failure to live ethically. And not just by our ethics, I'm talking about living by God's ethics. Sin is failure to live in a morally good and upright way. And, but, but sin's not just passive, it's not just like, oops, I did it again, or it happened again. Sin is active. It's active rebellion from God. Sin is to say, I want to live my way and not God's way. It, it means saying, God be blowed, I'll do what I want. And, and sin is serious. It's sin that leads to the death in the first place. If you never sinned, you'd never die. But the wages of sin is death. The thing is, we're all stuck in this predicament. We're all stuck in this broken world. We've all got sin in our lives. All of us are going to die. All of us are here in these situations, whether you're a believer or a non-believer, we're all stuck in this same situation, old and young, weak and strong. 
even if somebody looks like they live the, a totally great life, they live a life that is, uh, you know, they just look out from the outside, they just look perfect, they give to charity, they love their family, they, they're nice to everybody they meet, doesn't matter. They've sinned and the wages of sin is death. So with this in mind, wouldn't it be really great if there was someone who could rescue us from this predicament, someone who could rescue us from the permanence of death, somebody who'd rescue us from rebellion towards God? And this is where Jesus the rescuer comes in. He is a saviour who is born. He is one who is born who can bring everlasting joy. He rescues from sin and death. He saves people from their transgressions. He saves people from their stuff-ups and their failure. He is an eternal saviour and he saves people to eternal life, to eternal joy, to eternal peace and eternal happiness. Which is the next aspect of our Christmas joy. Christmas joy is peace from God. Christmas joy is peace from God. The angels in, we, in this story mention this peace from God. After the freaked out shepherds, they heard the message from the first angel. This massive multitude of angels turns up with the other angel. And he says, and they, they, all his mates turn up and they burst forth with praise saying, no. Well, I'll read it from here. Uh, he bursts forth with praise saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth amongst those with whom he is pleased. These angels are singing, or presumably singing, praising, honouring God. The arrival of this baby Jesus, the Christ the Lord, brings forth the host of heaven into rapturous praise and honour. They hope and they pray for peace. But strangely, they didn't pray for peace for all. They said, peace on earth among those with whom he is pleased. Their hope for peace is with those whom God finds pleasure in. You see, the arrival of the baby who is rescuer is not peace for all. The good news for all that come to him for rescue will... Sorry, it's good news that all who come to him for rescue will find salvation... But for those who do not receive him, who do not receive this good news, who outright reject it, Jesus will deal with them appropriately. There won't be peace for all. You see, the baby Jesus, born in Bethlehem, was not only a rescuer. He wasn't just a good bloke. He was God himself stuffed into a human body. This Christmas baby, Jesus, was God and man, human and divine. He is the creator and the ruler of the universe. And to reject this child, to reject this rescuer, is to reject God himself. It's to reject everything that is beautiful and lovely, good and holy. To reject God is to devalue your own life. So while, while it's beautiful to think about this cute baby in a manger, in a, in a shed, that baby would grow up and he would say, don't think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. 
Jesus is an inherently divisive figure. He forces you to make a choice. He forces you to decide, do I want sin and death or do I want light and life? Am I going to serve myself or am I going to serve God? Do I want the momentary joys of this life or do I want everlasting life? Do I want momentary joy or do I want everlasting joy? The arrival of Jesus into that manger many years ago brings peace, but only for those who are on God's side, only for those with whom God finds pleasure. So the question then arises is, how can God be pleased with me? Because he's not pleased with you by default. He's not pleased with me by default. In fact, by default, we're God's enemies. We're opposed to him. Every time we disobey him, we set ourselves up in opposition and rebellion against him. It's evil, and that's what evil is, opposition to God. Evil is wickedness, darkness, and sin. And God's going to wipe out evil. Now, you know, in modern day times, we might think of an organization like ISIS as evil. And just like ISIS has been wiped off the face of the map, so God is going to wipe away evil. But Unlike with ISIS, which has just been pushed into the, into the cracks and crevices, God is going to utterly destroy and wickedness and evil from the face of the earth. So if by default we're in opposition to God, how can we gain his pleasure? How can we escape being wiped out? Well, you could, you could try living better and you're trying harder, doing more. You could stop watching those filthy TV shows. You can stop sleeping with somebody you're not married to. You could stop gossiping about your friends. Or stop hating people and being angry at people. You could start showing kindness and generosity to those around you. You can start being, 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 uh, being merciful to those who, who annoy you or, or who, who sin against you. You could be self-controlled. Will all of this please God? Well, yes, kind of. These things are God that these are things that God commands and God expects from us, but the problem is it's not enough. Even if I was to do all of those things on that list, it would not be enough. Being a good person is not enough to win God's affection. God's pleasure does not come from you living a good enough life because you would never be able to do enough. Because sin is sin, and, and, and even if you've only sinned a little bit, you're still a sinner. God is perfect. God expects perfection. You and I are not perfect. So there is a divide here. We need something that translates our imperfection into the perfection that God requires. And this is where Jesus comes in. Jesus is both God and man. He is perfect. He lived that perfect ethical and moral life. He, he started in that manger, but he grew up and he walked the earth as the perfect man. He is what we should be like. He is righteous. He's willing to give you his righteousness. 
He is holy and he is willing to give you his holiness. He is good and he's willing to give you his goodness. He will even give you his own divine spirit. But we must submit to him. In order to receive God's pleasure, we must take on the righteousness of Christ. And we take on the righteousness of Christ by giving up our old, dirty righteous, uh, unrighteousness and putting on his purity, his, his cleanliness, his righteousness. We need to submit to him. We need to say, I want to do things your way and not my way. To receive God's pleasure, you must abandon your rebellion and join him on his mission to wipe out sin and death. You have to yield to his rulership as king of the cosmos. You see, if we receive Jesus, we receive peace. We receive Jesus, we receive God's pleasure, we receive peace from God. A peace and a joy that can last forever. This peace through Jesus is our Christmas joy. So I wanted to just kind of recap where we've gone this morning. We've looked at this briefly at this story of, uh, uh, of the angels who turn up and speak to the shepherds. They come announcing good news for all, a good news that all of us can receive, no matter who we are or where we've come from. They announce a saviour that is born, a saviour, a rescuer, who we find out later will rescue mankind from sin and death. A saviour who, when received, brings peace from God. Now, I'm telling you about this Christmas joy this morning that transcends the kind of joy that you might experience today and tomorrow and the day after. But that joy will fade. But the joy of having God and being in his presence and living with him in eternal peace and happiness, that kind of joy is worth more than this life, worth more than what we have to give up in our own selfish pursuits. It's a peace, it's a joy that transcends the fleeting and fading joys of this life. It's a Christmas joy that transcends history. It's a Christmas joy that transcends our own existence. And it's a Christmas joy that can change our lives forever. I hope that you can receive this Christmas joy this Christmas. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the many good gifts that we receive at this, especially at this time of year where we are reflecting on and we, we're doing this celebratory stuff. But Lord, we know that these joys fade. And Lord, for some of us, this time of year isn't a happy time of year. And we already experience the lack of joy uh, that comes from the brokenness of this world, from the fleeting nature of this life. We pray, Lord, that we would look beyond our own, our own yeah, we would look up from gazing at our own navels and that we would see the joy that is to be had in eternal life. We pray, Lord, that you would lift our eyes from the here and now to see the future, to see the death that waits for us all. Lord, lift our eyes to see the transcendent joy that we can have in Christ. Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, that you would humble us to submit to Christ and to receive him, to receive the rescue, to receive the salvation that he has to offer us in giving us his own life. 
Please, Lord, keep these things on our mind this Christmas. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.